Thank you for listening to the Exist Magazine podcast. On this episode, Kendra Winchester from the Reading Women podcast joins me. A Midwest native with a passion for reading and writing, Kendra helped create the Reading Women podcast, which highlights feminist literature from around the world. Starting in 2016, you can find an amazing archive of author interviews and conversation on books and topics from graphic novels to Midwest culture. Kendra was amazing to talk to and really enlightened me on some Midwest literature that I wasn't aware of. Be sure to look in the bio to find all the links for everything that we talk about in this episode. Visit readingwomenpodcast.com to subscribe and listen. And Kendra and everyone at the Reading Women Podcast does a really great job producing a very well-respected podcast. And I want to again thank Kendra for coming on and taking the time to join me. And I hope we can have you again on soon. Please visit ExistMagazine.com to find more content, and please rate and review us on Apple Podcasts so we can help spread the word. Like Exist on Facebook, follow us on Instagram, and Twitter at ExistMagazine1. Thanks again for listening, and enjoy episode 18 with Kendra Winchester of Reading Women Podcast. All right, welcome back to another episode of Exist Magazine, and I'm here with Kendra Winchester. Go ahead and say hi, Kendra. Hello. Hello, everyone. And Kendra is a podcast host as well. She uh, is the co-founder and executive director of Reading Women, which is a fantastic podcast, (laughs) well-produced. I listened to a couple episodes, checking up, uh, doing a little research, and definitely uh, would recommend if, especially if you're a book fan and love to read that is like the amount of of authors and and content that you have available is is fantastic oh well thank you we uh work really hard to bring all of it together so it's a pleasure to hear yeah so and uh i'm reaching out to kendra because this is a uh, a midwestern uh unexpected midwest culture and lifestyle podcast and kendra uh comes from southern ohio technically right yeah yeah no i just on the brink of the midwest (laughs) yeah i grew up there it's very much a crossroads of a lot of different cultures together and a lot of my family is from the shellcothy area as well so oh so where's that at that's about um an hour south of columbus it used to be the capital of ohio Okay, I'm not I'm I'm not uh, hugely familiar with Ohio. I have uh, an uncle that lived there at one point in time when I was younger, so we did make some visits, but can't really remember too much about it. <laughs> yeah. So what, what was it like growing up in Ohio? Well, in southern Ohio, it's part of the region of the state that's part of Appalachia, and I always tease and say that my family are dual citizens of Kentucky and Ohio because uh, they jumped across the border several times. And so my parents now actually live on the Kentucky side. And so it was very much small town kind of feel. Uh, my family has been in that area for a while, uh, maybe a couple counties over. And so it was just very interesting growing up in a small place. And that was very calm. It's in the hills. So like you're very insulated. I remember when I moved to the South, that it was very open and I like, I felt like exposed for a long time before um, uh, I got used to how like flat everything is compared to here and here technically, (laughs) I guess 
is still technically the foothills of Appalachia, but compared to where I grew up, where you have like the road cut through the mountain, you know? Yeah. So, so right now you're in South Carolina, right? Yeah. In the upstate. Yeah. And you're gotcha. um, like an hour south of Asheville, North Carolina. Okay. Yeah. But back in, back in Southern Ohio where the, you're being exposed to all this, uh, literature and culture how how was uh how was it getting into like what what uh what was your first book uh, that you fell in love with oh wow uh there's so many um i really loved the dear america series and it was in middle school and it's about this like fictionalized diaries of girls and they go through big moments in history so like one girl's on the titanic one girl is on the mayflower and so you kind of learn about history through the eyes of a girl your age, if you, I'm assuming you're, you know, you're in middle school when you're reading this. And right. it was really cool because oftentimes women are left out of the history books, especially young girls. And being able to experience history that way was great. It also counted for school. So like, you know, check yeah. both boxes that way. But yeah, I thought it was really great. I now collect them all because uh, now they're like, you know, 250 a piece. So, <laughs> <laughs> so Yeah. Is this a, uh, like, did it run like a, a publication? Like, did it put out, um, like series or, uh, Dear America? Who was that by? That's by Scholastic. And so they also had a, This Is My America, which was journals by boys. So, you know, there was a set there. There's a, um, this is, um, what is it? My Canada. So there's a Canadian edition. And then there's a Royal Diaries series that oh, wow. are princesses or just royalty in history. And uh, so you learn like world history that way. And I think that this combination of like, you know, focusing on girls was so rare at the time for me, mm -hmm. um, it was very impactful and it also made me love history, which is pretty cool. Yeah. Yeah. What was, uh, what was your favorite one to read? I would say probably the story that sticks out. There's this one about a young Jewish girl in Germany who immigrates to the United States and my grandfather fought in World War II. So I was always interested and reading about that, I would say that was a big one. There's also uh, a couple on uh, Native American girls as well, which was really important, I think, um, wow. for a young person to read um, and understand that, you know, I don't know, being a 12-year-old and discovering your country isn't perfect is always a process, but um, yeah. they're very impactful. Yeah. That's awesome. I've never heard of the those books. I, I mean, I was uh i think the closest thing i could relate to is like the uh the hardy boys <laughs> like <laughs> the the series that i grew up kind of reading my brother passed them down to me so but uh it's it's you know i'm becoming so familiar with uh with female authors which is um which is something that uh, you know me and my girlfriend can kind of uh connect on too is yeah. there um um so growing up in in southern ohio you're reading these books um you decide to uh, follow your passion and and become a, a master's in uh, in literature. Where did you uh, go to college at? But I went to a private school, private university here in South Carolina, and focused on the arts, and so that's how I ended up in the South. And then um, my spouse is from California, and we met at school, and uh, we just stayed in the you know he moved out here when I went to grad school, um, and supported me through that, and. Um, you know, we stayed, he found a job and I can work from anywhere. So I was like, you know, as soon as I'm done, we can go wherever your job takes you. And it kept us here. So I was like, that's cool. It's fine. <laughs> yeah, that's great. So 
you just uh, you do some freelance uh, editing, and um, obviously you do this podcast. Um, so how how is it uh, uh, right now during I guess uh, since you can work from anywhere, um, the COVID uh, lockdown um, isn't hitting you hard, or do you are you affected uh, by that at all right now? Uh, for me, it's been kind of interesting because I already since I already work from home. And having a disability, disabling chronic illness, I'm already, you know, a high risk person. So mm-hmm. I already was taking a lot of precautions in my everyday life. So watching people adjust to my way of life has been very interesting because it is a skill to be able to work from home and to like be able to focus and combine your living and working spaces. And so for me, it's been more adapting my schedule to um, other people's change schedules. So for example, when every country started closing its borders, I had to reschedule all of my author interviews because their schedules just were turned on their heads. And Mm -hmm. so that was about a week of like emergency fire putting out kind of situations. Um, But yeah, I've really appreciated people accommodating people working from home, which is something that I've wanted to see for a long time because I mean, that's the way I've always had to work. So that's Mm -hmm. been really interesting to see for sure. Yeah, it's definitely a, a change of pace trying to, uh, I work at a museum, so, you know, <laughs> everything's based on having that open and people to, to come to. So now we're just kind of like, you know, building up, you know, work for the future to get kind of things ready for the, for being able to open again. So it's definitely different. Yeah, that's, that's for sure. Uh, <laughs> yeah. I'm just wanting Starbucks to open, say open past four. That'd be great. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Right now I've got the kids locked out of the house because I'm recording. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. The Corgi is locked on the porch because I did an interview on Tuesday. And as soon as the like intro music and it was live started, he starts screaming and this Corgi is just losing his mind. (laughs) And I'm like, I even have you locked downstairs and I can still hear you. I'm just like, I give up, man. (laughs) (laughs) What's your Corgi's name? Dylan. Dylan, I uh, we don't have any furry pets, but I do have a uh, a bearded dragon. Oh, those are so lovely. <laughs> he's so easy to take care of, and he's chill. He sits behind me here in my studio. Oh, that's so, really nice. <laughs> yeah, we got him uh, for my son for our Christmas one year, and he named him Shenron. <laughs> oh, it's a pretty great name for a bearded dragon. Yeah, it's a uh, name taken from an anime series called Dragon Ball Z. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I watched it growing up. Yeah, so the Eternal Dragon is is Shinran. <laughs> <laughs> so it was, it was just natural. Like we we got a, a big uh, set of the like little toy Dragon Balls, and we put them in his cage. <laughs> that is adorable. That's an Instagram account waiting to happen. <laughs> Why don't I? Ha- I haven't I done this yet? <laughs> I've already got like three different Instagram accounts. I need another one. <laughs> I feel you. Definitely. <laughs> so tell us a little bit more about uh, reading women because uh, like, like how I found you, like I was just kind of, you know, searching and, and stumbled across you, found this website and I was just like, holy cow. So, um, and I actually <laughs> was talking about it with a friend and she's like, oh, I love that podcast. I'm like, are you kidding me? Like, this is, this is great. I'm happy, really happy to to have you on today. So tell us a little bit more about uh, Reading Women and what's uh, your story behind that. Yeah. So Reading Women is a podcast that features books by about women, and we have two different kinds of episodes. So we have like a book club kind of themed 
situation where we'll have a theme. So this month's theme is Asian Pacific Islander Heritage Month. And then the first episode is like a bunch of picks about that around that theme. And then the second episode is the uh, really in-depth discussion of our two sort of like book club picks. And we encourage listeners to read along and uh, join into the discussion and that sort of thing. The weeks we don't have that, uh, we have author interviews. And so every other week is an author interview. And so it swaps back and forth. Some listeners like the interviews, some like the book club situation, and some people listen to everything. So it's really interesting because we get to bring a lot of different authors from a lot of different backgrounds to the table. And recently I did a special episode where I interviewed two, well, actually three, um, Ohioan uh, women And two of them had written memoirs about growing up in Cleveland. And then one of our co-hosts, Sachi, currently lives in and um, grew up in Cleveland as well. So that was a really great episode to do. Nice. So uh, were they growing up in Cleveland at a a specific time where where things were, you know, like in the 60s or 70s? Or is this uh, more current? I think we were all about the same age, um, early, mid-30s. So so I... I at what time would that be? Nineties, I guess. Yeah. How old am I? I don't know. Um, <laughs> I try to forget too. <laughs> so I guess it'll be about the nineties, and um, the different memoirs focus on different parts of their lives. So one of them, Rust Belt Femme by Rachel Angel Lee, focuses on like her girlhood, and then Rust, a memoir of steel and grit by Lise Colette Goldbach, focuses on her experience working in the steel mill. And being a woman oh, wow. in a very male-dominated environment and like learning what on earth the steel mill actually does and yeah. sort of stuff like that. And I found it was just a very fascinating book to read. I've got a friend that's a uh, an iron worker and it s- still like blows my mind that this is her occupation because she is like a uh, runway model. Wow. <laughs> not, not, uh, not literally, but she... Uh, um, does a ton of stuff and like just one day like completely like went in this direction and became an iron worker and like got full blown she's a you know union um you know worker that works uh just like on these huge buildings just I'm like are you kidding me right now this is crazy that's amazing yeah <laughs> I want her to write a memoir I, right <laughs> yeah I, I i could not do it like that's uh i I got out of the uh the construction and the hard labor <laughs> i'm like i'm just gonna be a creative i think that's more fit for me <laughs> i i'm with you on that one for sure whenever i go back home it's always like so what do you do again what is a podcast i'm like radio oh okay but on demand <laughs> like netflix sort of yes <laughs> they'll, they'll get it they'll get it Eventually, this will become a normal thing, (laughs) which is crazy because podcasts have been around for so long already. It's just now, you know, become especially right now, becoming a normal, normal uh, source of entertainment. (laughs) Yeah. And I will say I really appreciate the fact it's not live like radio and you can edit it because I'm always, you know, screwing up the intro or whatever. And I just make notes for my editing future self and like, you know, (laughs) you work out the kinks later. So. I really appreciate yeah. that ability. <laughs> definitely, definitely. Yeah, I'm still still working on my editing skills. So mo- most of the time, I'm like the first take. That's it. <laughs> <laughs> like if I don't give it get it on the first try, it's 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 done. It's over. <laughs> <laughs> it's always a process. Definitely. 
Yeah. So do you guys uh, produce this all yourself? Um, you, you, and you have a co-host, a couple of people working with you? Yeah. So I have three co-hosts and they rotate uh, as co-hosts because, I mean, it's a lot of research for each one and they take the lead in whatever theme. So they pick their three themes for the year. And so they take the lead on that. And I'm always just the, you know, like the producer. I come along for the ride, you know, mm -hmm. and uh, so yeah, we do it all ourselves. We do, we are part of Lit Hub Radio, which is our ad network, but we are independently owned. So it's sort of like an indie press having a distributor. Uh, we partner with them for ads and different things, but we have complete control over the content and pretty much everything. I, I can't really think of anything we're not <laughs> um, in charge of besides ads. So uh, it's really nice that way because you have creative freedom. And I've been really grateful mm -hmm. that Lit Hub is like, we like what you do, just keep doing it kind of situation. And so uh, we plan this out probably, you know, the fall before that year. So we plan 2020 in the fall of 2019. And then, you know, we research, we read, we make notes, and then we record. We're all in different places. And uh, yeah, and then I edit the thing and put it up there and we have social media and all sorts of stuff. So everyone wow. does a little bit of everything. That's amazing. I'm going to be taking some tips from you because I do <laughs> I do this, you know, all on my own. I'm just kind of, this is a, a passion project of mine, you know, coming, uh, I'm I, going back to school. I had this, you know, idea and I'm just trying to follow through with it just because I've always, you know, meeting interesting people that do amazing things here and they either get up and leave and take off and I never see them again, or their interest in that thing kind of dies off and they, ch they change paths and go somewhere else. I'm like, but that was so cool. We like, we, we needed that. Like, let me, let me get this. Like, we're going to make this happen. I need to tell your story. Yeah. And I think it's so important that, you know, Midwestern stories are told because working in books, you know, that's primarily focused in New York and New York people will publish books that they're most familiar with, which is typically books around and set in New York. And that's very frustrating when you want to see your own city, your own life experience yeah. in books. Right. And so I last, last year I focused on Appalachia and this year I'm focusing more on the Midwest and kind of like looking at that part of my identity and, um, you know, interviewing these authors and reading these books. And uh, there's a publisher called Belt Publishing that focuses on Midwestern stories. So I basically sent them like I feel like I sent them a, a grant with how many books that I have bought from them but <laughs> um you know supporting them as well um and the work that they're doing I think indie publishers in particular are just doing a great job of publishing um I hate the word regional because everywhere is a region in the United States but like mm -hmm. you know their region's stories and so belt publishing is is definitely one of them I'll definitely have to check out belt publishing so yeah is there some uh some good midwestern authors that you can uh advise us to check out yeah so i brought a stack with me to recommend um, oh, awesome so i have not read all of these but they have been recommended to me by other midwestern authors so just as a caveat um but one of them um is based in saint uh, Lewis, and this is The Lost Children of Mill Creek by Vivian Gibson. She is a black woman who uh, was raised on Bernard Street in Mill Creek Valley, and she talks about how, um, like, 
her entire family was was forced to move because of some construction or something like that. And this is her memoir, and she's telling her story. And mm. I think that's really important because a lot of people on the coast don't think there are people of color in the Midwest for whatever reason. And then we're like, wait, Toni Morrison's from Ohio, guys. Like, you know, yeah, get, get the picture. So um, that's one that I would definitely recommend. Um, there's one called Radical Suburbs, Experimental Living on the Fringes of the American City by Amanda Colson Hurley. Um, and that one is, I mean, what it says on the tin is about, you know, experimental living in the suburbs. Um, one that I've seen people recommending to everyone who's interested in Midwestern studies is this book called Midwest Futures by Phil Chrisman. And Rachel Angelie specifically recommended this to me because it's about this guy writing about how he sees the future of the Midwest playing out. And I believe it also has something to do with climate change and like how the Midwest is going to approach the future. Oh, wow. And so if you are interested in Midwestern studies, definitely check out um, Midwestern Futures by Phil Chrisman. And all three of those are out from Belt Publishing, which is a publisher based in Cleveland. Nice. I'm always here for you for recommendations anytime. Yeah. <laughs> no, this is great. I can't wait to uh, to check that out. Midwest, that, that sounds, yeah, right up my alley. Like uh, trying to figure out what's going on here, in, especially in St. Louis. Yeah, and they have anthologies on Belt Publishing's website, and they have a St. Louis anthology, but they look at big cities in the Midwest, and they create anthologies around them. And so you have like a Columbus anthology, uh, you have a, I think there's a Chicago anthology, a Cleveland anthology, an Akron anthology, there's so many different cities. So if you want to read uh, books about your city or the closest big city to you, um, that would definitely be a place to go. And then you That's can awesome. discover local authors that way. Man, I am so glad I reached out to you because <laughs> uh, I've, you know, during, I've been trying to read as much as I can right now, but I'm, I'm such a slow reader. Like it, it takes me a while to finish a book. <laughs> My girlfriend, she'll just knock them out like one a day. I'm like, how, how? I just, my imagination, I just let it go and I take my time. <laughs> you know, everyone reads at their own speed. So whatever works for their brain. Yeah. So, oh, another thing I was uh, looking at on your website is you have these reading challenges. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So we have a reading them in challenge, which is 24 prompts. So that's two prompts per month. And it challenges people to read books by or about women. And so the whole goal is to like expand your horizons to like mm -hmm. read books from uh, different places around the world, from different perspectives. And so there are challenges like read a, a book translated from an Asian language, read a book by uh, a woman with a chronic illness or disability or something like that. And that way, you know, you, you kind of take a little tour about different types of people and you might discover new authors. You can also take the prompts and have one book count for multiple prompts, which is fun. Some people try to figure out one book that will count for as many prompts as possible. <laughs> uh, you do whatever you want to. It, it's fun. There's nearly no like set rules because again, it's, it's fun. And so, but it also, you know, encourages people to read a wide range of books. Yeah. There's a, uh, some really great prompts on here for the, for the 2020 too, as well. Like 
author from the Caribbean or India about the environment, an anthology by multiple authors. Lots of uh, good challenges here. Yeah, and I think that's a, a way that a lot of people have discovered us because reading challenges are fun and it's just a way to celebrate women. And I feel like oftentimes when we talk about books by or about women, it's a very serious conversation. And, you know, you're getting down and discussing like, you know, the oppression of women and like all this stuff. But this is like a fun way to do that. So we have a bit of a balance. Yeah, this is definitely so much to check out and get inspired and read. I love it. Yeah. Yeah, it's been a lot of fun. I love putting it together every year. So what else can you tell us about um, Ohio and being a Midwesterner? <laughs> I was, um, uh, my, my friend brought up uh, Appalachian folklore, if you knew any good books on Appalachian folklore. Uh, well, I don't think I have any books on Appalachian folklore specifically, but I actually do have one. Hold on, I'm going to turn around. Sorry for the sound on this. Um, so I have a book called Folklores and Legends of the Middle West, and that's also out from Belt Publishing. So that's Midwest folklore. And I just bought that from Belt Publishing as well. Again, I basically nice. paid for all their children's yeah. races. <laughs> um, so I am very interested in folklore myself because, you know, in Appalachia, it's a very big part. You know, you have, you know, Albanian and, um, uh, Johnny Appleseed and all sorts of things. And, you know, my grandfather is a woodsman and my grandparents lived in this log cabin, um, you know, in Ohio and and Amish people came and built it and we all sealed it by hand and like all this stuff. And so when I tell people that they're just like, wait, what places like that (laughs) still exist? I'm like, yes. You know, my grandfather took us out into the woods and taught us how to like dry out a tree before you chop it down and like moss how it grows and how to find your way in the woods and follow streams and all of this stuff. And, um, wow. yeah, so it was very much part of how I grew up. And so that's been something that I've been looking into a lot. Um, and being Appalachian, most people don't think Ohio is part of Appalachia, but it is. Yeah. And so anyway, that's been something that I've been researching on my own, I guess. So you're out building cabins with your grandpa. Well, Amish people built the cabins for my grandparents they built the frame okay okay okay. and but they didn't seal the outside so we were like all these little kids like all the grandchildren with our little paint brushes of sealant and you would seal the outside and inside of the wood obviously so it wouldn't rot or whatever it does and so uh yeah it was so how, how did he trick you into doing this that's <laughs> I, i'm pretty sure it's hey kid you're here you gotta work like <laughs> you know gotta do yourself and my other grandfather uh, was, you know, lived with us at the time. So I have, you know, both my grandfathers and me and my brother and my cousins and all that stuff, like, you know, painting this wooden cabin on the outside. It was, I thought it was an adventure. Now I realize it was free labor, but it's <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's, it's good to, to have that memory of it as an adventure and not as hard labor. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And it makes for a good story as well, you know? Definitely. <laughs> so what other uh, kinds of buildings did your grandpa have you build or, or seal? <laughs> <laughs> he was very into basements. So he would dig out his own basements. And, you know, my, my grandfather 
and grandma moved to um, Eastern Kentucky when my dad was a kid. And so they did a lot of their own construction work. They dug out wells and all sorts of stuff. Um, so like digging and constructing in that small way was a thing. There was actually an outhouse on the land where the cabin was for a long time. And even when the house was finished and they had like two or three bathrooms, there was still an outhouse on the grounds. <laughs> and so, you know, you learn how to use an outhouse. Um, you learn not to look around because there surely be big, you know, great daddy long legs running around or whatever <laughs> while you're trying to do your thing. Um, but yeah, that was a, a great adventure. And I always love going there for 4th of July, Thanksgiving and Christmas and and stuff like that. Nice. You got uh, siblings, any siblings or anybody that you would, are you a only child? Uh, my older brother, he's four years older. So just enough to think that I was obnoxious um, and not really a playmate at all. And we're very, very different. Uh, he's very much athletic and outdoorsman. Like he fishes in Bass Pro, like, the, you know, he worked at Bass Pro and he fished in Bass tournaments and like all of this stuff. And I'm just a little nerd reading books and playing World of Warcraft on my <laughs> computer, you know, so uh, it was definitely very different. But it's been interesting to see how we both, as we've gotten older, have sought to reconnect with the you know, Ohio, where we, we grew up, which made us who we are and how we identify. My brother now lives in a city of over a million people. And he really struggles because he's not a city person. Yeah. And so I live in a tiny town in South Carolina. And so that's been really interesting to see how that plays out now that we're adults. And our parents moved back to, um, they moved away for a couple of years, but then they moved back to the area where we grew up. And so going back is always interesting because it feels like home still it definitely is still home and when i tell people that they get confused because i no longer live there but i think where you grew up really makes you who you are and i will always be an ohioan even if i never live there again yeah yeah i'm uh i don't plan on leaving missouri anytime soon but i've always been here and i've always loved it and i don't know if i have any sort of like, I don't know what would happen if I moved away. I don't, I, I would, yeah, I would definitely come back. Like, it's just too great here. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I've never, I've never been to Missouri, but it's on my list. There's so much that's happened there. It's just a rich history there. And that's definitely something that I want to see. Also reading uh, Gilead by Marilyn Robinson. Um, mm -hmm. One of the characters, I don't want to give any spoilers, but one of the characters, like, goes to St. Louis to like find his fortune. And it's like a big deal. And ever since then, I've like, I need to go. Yeah. Wait, is this treasure? Has this treasure been found? Oh, wait, no, no spoilers. No spoilers. <laughs> well, he <laughs> wanted to make his way in the world. You know, he grew up in a small town. Um, but uh, the first book in that series is called Gilead. It's by Marilyn Robinson. I won't give any more spoilers, but I think a lot of Midwesterners would have fallen in love with it for sure. Yeah. Another good one to check out. Yeah, I'm definitely going to have to uh, put a list of all the authors and books that, that we're talking about today for, for people to go find these things, because this is some great, great stuff. I, I'm really, uh, yeah, again, thank you so much for, for coming on. I, I really can't believe you responded. Like after like uh, finding out uh, uh, who you were and what you were about, I was just like, uh, who am I going to have on my show? <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm always, I'm always happy to... 
I talk to other people from, I guess, what they're calling middle America. Um, Because I think that's, I, I just think it's incredibly important, especially with books. You know, most of the stories are based in major cities or on the coasts or whatever. And, uh, you know, there's just as, we're just as much American as anyone on the coast. So, you know, they should tell our stories too. Absolutely. I agree. That's why, that's why I do this, trying to tell the stories. What is, uh, what's, um, I, I always try to ask, like, um, if there's like a, a big regret or something in your life that you, uh, that you kind of remember, or, uh, as uh, something like a challenge that you got over, got through. Oh, wow. Um, like, um, you mean something that I've experienced that like I work through or like, what do yeah, you mean? Yeah. Like, uh, like a hard, um, like a move like that, uh, that was hard to make or maybe, um, a job change or something that you had to overcome. I think leaving Ohio was a big deal. Um, and we, we left because my dad's job changed. And so, you know, he had to leave, he left the area for several years. And then I was going to college the same week that we moved. And so leaving the area where I grew up, you know, it's a very insular community. You grew up there, your grandparents went to the same high school that you did, that kind of situation. Mm -hmm. And so leaving is one of the worst things that you could possibly do. It's almost like a betrayal of the community if you leave. And so having to leave was really difficult and not seeing my grandparents, you know, or, or different things like that. And so I go, I went, moved to the South and it's very different. Um, you know, my grandma would, she, I think is a perfect blend. She drinks unsweetened iced tea. Like who does that? <laughs> right. Like, <laughs> so moving there, they're like, what is your accent? Where are you from? Are you a northerner? I'm like, well, not, not really, but sort of, yes. I mean, technically I live over the Mason Dixon line, but I'm not Southern either. And I think that for me as an 18 year old was, um, a big culture shock. You know, it was really yeah. difficult to do because, uh, you know, none of my friends were there when I went home from college for Thanksgiving and Christmas. It wasn't a home. It was my parents' new house, you know, in Virginia. Mm-hmm. It was just a big, big experience. And like, it really was a shock to someone who had lived a very stable in the same house, like her entire life kind of situation. So, um, yeah, that's something that, you know, still working through, I think, you know, that kind of shock of just being thrown out of the place you grew up. Yeah. So maybe that's why I've never left. It's just too hard. You know, I I can't really recommend it, but at the same time, I wouldn't be here if I hadn't. So I guess that's good, but it was still difficult. I guess it was good for me in the end, you know? Um, But yeah, I definitely miss it. And I definitely miss people thinking I'm Ohioan. Like I didn't think I was connected to that identity until I left. Mm -hmm. Um, and then now they're like, well, you've lived in the South for 10 years. I'm like, people still walk up to me. Random strangers will be, grab my elbow. And this little old lady be like, you're not from here now, are you? And I'm like, no, no, I am not. (laughs) I say you guys, not y'all. Like, what is this? (laughs) Wash and not wash. (laughs) (laughs) It's like, and how do you say the word pen? pin and pen and i'm like you're confusing me my brain is melting it's pop guys (laughs) like quit saying soda i don't know what your deal is my spouse is from california so he's all like everything is soda i'm like no honey i know in st louis we call it soda you do 
My cousin's from Michigan. He calls it pop and I call it soda. (laughs) Well, my cousins from Tennessee call it Coke. Coke, And I'm like, are you talking about a different kind of substance? Like what's happening here? (laughs) Not that kind of Coke. (laughs) You know, a Coke. (laughs) Oh, bless them. I need a, I know I want a Sprite Coke. I want an orange Coke. (laughs) I just get so confused. That's so easily. Um, but yeah, it's always interesting going back to, cause everyone I finally is around me saying pop and my spouse was like, what are they saying? Oh, right. Right. <laughs> That's funny. Yeah. The, uh, the, the slang and the, uh, how that, how it changes just, just, you know, just a few miles, you know, can make a difference. <laughs> yeah, it's true. And like the, you guys thing is, is a, big thing here if they people hear me say it and they're like we're not dudes i'm like but you guys is, is gender neutral like it that's that's what it is it's just you people and they're like what <laughs> i don't know you say y'all <laughs> I, I still sound funny when i say it they just <laughs> laugh at me oh <laughs> uh, so um what else can we get into I tried to uh, do as much research and little talking points as I could. Is there anything, uh, any shout outs you want to give? Um, uh, something, uh, another something for us to, to reference or check out? I mean, we've talked about a million books already. This list, <laughs> this list on, the, on, the, on the bottom of the feed is going to be very long. um well i really like elizabeth cat and i think it's interesting being someone who is on the crossroads of appalachia in the midwest because uh you know i feel like oftentimes people think you only can have one american identity you know you can only be southern or you can only be californian or you know whatever it is but um i'm very much many things. And so Elizabeth Catt was published by Belt Publishing, but she is from Tennessee and wrote a book called What You're Getting Wrong About Appalachia. And what's interesting is that she also covers the fact of the whole hillbillyology situation happening. You know, mm-hmm. he grew up in Western, like Southwest Ohio, um, somewhere like above or below Dayton or something. And, um, you know, there's been a lot of pushback against that, especially since, you know, um, his parents are the ones from Kentucky and like all of this stuff. So um, I would definitely check that out, especially if people have read Hillelology. I think it's very important to hear uh, other Appalachians voice their dissent about how Hillelology has portrayed Appalachia and Ohio and, and different things. Um, so I think that's really important. And when Ron Howard's movie of Hillelology comes out with like Amy Adams and Glenn Close and whatever, I'm sure this topic will come back up, but I think that's really important because it really um, is a really problematic book in a lot of ways. Um, and I think Elizabeth Cat makes the best argument for why, and it's really short. It's like 200 pages, um, hmm. <laughs> but don't worry. I will send you a list of all the books that I've mentioned today or a photo oh, or, great. or something. Yeah. Thank you. <laughs> so you don't have to research. Are we gonna, yeah. <laughs> Just play the, uh, the podcast on repeat and, <laughs> loop everything so i can get the names right <laughs> that that's what i do every podcast like. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well kendra thank you so much for for joining me today no it's been great thank you for having me on
Yeah. And I, yeah, again, really appreciate it. Thank you for responding. I didn't think, you know, <laughs> I, I, I reached out to a few people, like I was just searching like hashtag Midwest and I saw your post about the, the, uh, the Rust Belt authors. And I was just like, Oh, this is a Midwest thing. Hold on here. I'm like, what's this? And I'm just like, oh, let's see, let's see what she says. <laughs> well, now sure. you have all of these books by Midwestern yeah. authors. You have a whole new group of people to pitch. Absolutely. Like, <laughs> if, Huge help. If you did an interview with the guy who wrote Midwest uh, Futures, I would I would click on that immediately. Just, you yeah. know, just those ideas. <laughs> what was his name again? Do you have that? Uh, it's Phil Chrisman. Phil Chrisman. Definitely. Yay. So many new <laughs> books to read. I'm just, I'm, I'm about, you know, I'm actually reading some Jack Kerouac right now just because I'm trying to catch up on some old stuff that I probably should have read already. <laughs> so about halfway through on the road. So as soon as I get done with that, I'm jumping on some new stuff that you have given us to read today. Yeah. If you ever need any uh, other recommendations, let me know. Always, yeah, and yeah, there. and I'll be I'll be definitely uh go check out Reading Women, go go subscribe and listen to their podcast and uh go do that Reading Women challenge, read some books everybody. This is this is amazing. So happy I found you. Well, I'm happy you found me too. And uh go ahead stay on the line real quick and um I'll go ahead and end the podcast here and uh we'll see everybody on the next episode. Thanks again for listening. We'll see you later.